Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Um. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. This is Dave Debo. You know, I, I kind of feel sometimes like we're stuck in that movie, Groundhog Day, where things just repeat over and over again. But at the same time, when you have a continuing story and you have two experts in your backyard that can comment on it, why not bring in the local expertise? Coming up in just a little bit, we hope to touch base with Michael Caputo, the former Trump campaign staffer who is intimately familiar with operations in Russia, someone who uh, will be with us in just a little while. But first, let's bring in former federal prosecutor Anthony Bruce to talk a little bit about this indictment from the Rosen, from uh, the special counsel Robert Mueller. Rob Rosenstein, the uh, deputy attorney general, announced on Friday the indictment of Russian nationals and entities accused of breaking U.S. laws, basically interfering with the 2016 presidential election. They said that they had an information campaign uh, involving rallies in the United States, computer postings in the United States, a lot of different things going on here. They set up a virtual private network in the United States. They even hired people here in the States and got them to do certain things on their behalf. All of it, of course, not being registered, all of it being a foreign government involved in our elections and uh, therefore criminal and prosecutable under this indictment. Anthony Bruce, thanks for joining us this morning. Glad you're here. Good morning. When you look at this indictment, all 16 pages of it, what jumps out at you? Can it? Can we use it as a tea leaf? If we're looking more broadly at the Robert Mueller investigation, is there anything in this indictment that, to your mind, says he's headed this direction or he's after this target, be the president or somebody else? When I look at it, by the way, it's 34 pages, I think. Oh, okay. The pr- my printer must have ran out of uh, before the show started. My pr- my printer must have ran out of uh, ran out of pa- paper. But go ahead. Must have it. It tells me, and and I, like I said in the past, I met Mueller. I know, uh, I I know a little bit about him. He is drilling deeply. If you look at that indictment, there are so many facts in that indictment. It's absolutely mind boggling. Um, the general rule is when you present a case to the grand jury. You don't have to present every piece of evidence you have that might show that the defendant committed the crime, but you do have to present every piece of evidence to the grand jury that winds up quoted or referred to in your indictment. So if you think of a 34-page indictment, the amount of thought and the amount of evidence and the, the amount of information that went in front of that grand jury is just mind-boggling. And you've got to think he's got a lot more out there. And that which makes it into the indictment is not the entire body of work, right? This is what he can prove. This is what he can allege. You're saying he knows a lot more. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it took me an hour to read through that indictment. It's an incredible indictment. What in there points toward anyone? Points, obviously, it points towards the people that he's charged. It doesn't point toward anyone in the administration or outside the administration in the United States that's involved in politics. 
it's a very narrowly drawn indictment. Uh, and how it fits in everything else, I'm not entirely sure. All right. Do you think it's a building block? Uh, is he putting this out there so this becomes the accepted fact so that perhaps President Trump and others can't say uh, no meddling? He, he might still be able to say no collusion, but the the facts in the indictment are, are pretty meticulously laid out so they can't at least say no more meddling. Am I right? Uh, yes, and if you, if you saw any of the news reports on what H.R. McMaster said, I believe it was to NATO yesterday. Mm-hmm. You are not... He said, we, we, it is now shown that there has been meddling. And that's, that's one of the first people in the administration to come out and say, the Russians did meddle. And getting the administration or someone in the administration to say that, to what degree is that a victory or, or at least a, a benchmark for Mueller? Um, I, I think you're making Mueller political. I don't think he's political. It's a, it's a benchmark for the administration to come out and now say, yes, there, is, there was... Um, or not collusion, there was interference in the election. That's a benchmark. All right. Now, I also want to play for you Rod Rosenstein, the Deputy Attorney General. When he announced this indictment on Friday, here's one of the things that he had to say. Now, there is no allegation in this indictment that any American was a knowing participant in this illegal activity. There is no allegation in the indictment that the charged conduct altered the outcome. What do you say to that? Is there anything in here that points toward U.S. people, even even hints at U.S. people? Again, be the president, campaign aides, whomever. No, there there's there are allegations in the indictment about unwitting people, but there's no allegations in the indictment about President Trump. There's no allegations in the indictment about the administration. There's no allegations in the indictment about collusion. Therefore, can the president hold up these 34 pages and say, wow, look, vindicated? No, because the indictment is very narrowly drawn. We only know what's in the indictment. We don't know what's not in the indictment. To what degree is any of this new? The criminal prosecution might be, but meddling has been around for a while, since since the 1900s, I would think, right? Um, I, I think so. I'm not really up to snuff on that. Um, I, I think you know we probably try and influence elections in foreign countries, foreign countries try and influence elections in the United States so that whoever gets elected um, sees things their way. But on the other hand, if you look at this, what what it's alleged that the Russians did in this case is just sinister. I mean, they didn't do it by printing editorials. They didn't do it by making speeches. They did it underhandedly. And have they been prosecuted before, or is that an unprecedented portion of the, the discussion here? the unprecedented portion of the discussion. All right. Give me a, a prediction if you can. By the way, uh, 803-0930 is the number, folks. If you'd like to join the discussion, we would love to have you aboard. Anthony Bruce is with us. He's a former assistant uh, U.S. attorney for Western New York, a guy who has worked on national security issues and someone we've turned to often here to sort of interpret uh, the Mueller investigation as it unfolds. Uh, give me, if you can, a prediction, Anthony, based on what you're reading in the indictment or 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 is there not enough in there to tell you anything about a direction here there's not enough in there to tell you anything about a direction like i said this is although the indictment is long it's very narrowly written it it charges these people uh with trying to influence the election and that's all it says all right i want to draw then if i can on on what you said earlier about Mueller. 
Uh, you've met him. You know him. You know the way maybe he or at least prosecutors. No, nope, cons- I've met him. That's okay. But but you know how prosecutors construct an argument. Um, is there anything that we can uh, glean from that? Does the way he's stacking these bricks, even though they're they're specific bricks, narrowly focused? I, I hear what you say there, but does the way he's stacking his bricks indicate anything? He is leaving no stone unturned. He is going into every aspect. Now, you you had the Manafort. Uh, those indictments, those are a completely different focus. This is a completely different focus. Um, we haven't seen anything on obstruction of justice. Is that shoe ready to fall yet? We don't know. We know he's working hard, and we know he's turning over every stone that he can turn over. Exactly where it'll lead, uh, I'd be hard-pressed to tell you. Okay. And and the only reason I'm asking, we just got something on the uh, text line here. Someone says, hey, you keep wanting him to give you a direction, and he's not giving you your way. I'm not looking for a way. I just see this document in front of me. And as a news person, I say, hey, if, there, if there's something in there that can help us interpret what's going on, uh, let's turn to a guy who can help us interpret it. 803-0930 is the number. Is this something, Tony, that you eventually see reaching to the White House? And if not, I'm, I'm okay with that. I just, I'm looking for your opinion. Again, trying to be a, a provocateur, maybe an uh, interrogator here, not a provocateur. My gut is yes, but that's my gut speaking to me. Explain. Why do you think that? Well, like I said, Mueller is leaving no stone unturned. Uh, he's he's marching sort of upward and onward, um, and you can see by this he's put a lot of people in the grand jury. He's put a lot of information in the grand jury. Um, just knowing the way Bob Mueller operates and knowing some of the other people uh, of some of the other people that are working for him, um, they are they are doing everything. Uh, by the book, they're doing everything uh, methodically, uh, and you'll see more indictments, and they may be uh, similar in nature to this. When I, when I say similar in nature, they may not point directly at the White House, but he's, he's working his way along. And I think uh, he wants to get to, to, get to the White House. Uh, whether he'll get there is another story altogether. So, so you don't see that he's going there. He's just trying to make sure he uh, turns over every stone? Exactly. Okay. 803-0930 is the number. Anthony Bruce is with us. We've got to take our break for news in just a little bit here, but if you'd like to join the conversation, we'll be getting to phone calls after that. And then we're going to try and connect with Michael Caputo, again, a former Trump staffer who has worked in Russia and uh, certainly, in fact, has even testified before the House Intelligence Committee as part of this probe. 803-0930 is the number. What has happened? Can you recap for us, Tony, what has happened with all these previous indictments? We really haven't seen uh, anything other than the charges made. Am I right? Well, you, you, there are a couple of pleas that have come down. Apparently, and, and his name escapes me, the individual who was indicted with Manafort is ready to cut a deal and plead. Um, they're working their way along, let's put it that way. And, and it's not unexpected that they're going as slowly as they are. Um, just the news people, you folks have to be ready uh, for for a press announcement on a particular day, and you have to be ready for long periods of time where you hear nothing. All right, fair enough. We will uh, kick this around a little bit more after the news. Anthony Bruce, former federal prosecutor here in Western New York. Much more to come. Stay with us. It is Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. This is Dave Debo. 
Anthony Bruce is with us. He's a former federal prosecutor. We're talking about that indictment of Russians in tampering with the U.S. elections. And let's go to the phone lines now. 803-0930 is the number. Nick in Erie, Pennsylvania. Thanks for listening way down there. Hi. Yeah, hi. This is Nick. The um, question, uh, I, I don't know if I heard, was either in the indictment or in the Rod Rosenstein uh, clip, but can, can your guest put in context what is meant by, I think I heard, knowingly or unknowingly and excluding any U.S. Yeah, uh, there's two there. Let me play you the soundbite from Rod Rosenstein, and then I'll also read a quote from the indictment, and and we'll get more background on it. First, here's what Rosenstein said in his briefing. Now, there is no allegation in this indictment that any American was a knowing participant in this illegal activity. There is no allegation in the indictment that the charge conduct altered the outcome. But the indictment itself actually says, and thanks for the call, Defendants, together with others known and unknown to the grand jury, knowingly and intentionally conspired to defraud the United States. Uh, Anthony Bruce, tell me about both of those, especially the wording in the indictment that says uh, defendants known and unknown to the grand jury, knowingly and intentionally did conspire. That, that to me, would suggest maybe more Russians out there. Let's take them one at a time. First of all... um Others known and unknown is, is a very common phrase you see in an indictment. There may be people who came before the grand jury who were actually involved, uh, who were cooperating. Uh, they would be others known. They, I should say were cooperating and weren't charged. They would be others known. Uh, other Russians perhaps were on the periphery. They decided not to indict them, but um, they want to be able to use evidence about them at trial. Those would be others who would be known. Are these are these cooperating witnesses or people with with deals pending? Um, in part, possibly. It, it just covers a lot of bases when you say others known in an indictment. It covers just many, many people. An indictment covers usually those who are directly involved, and there will be people on the periphery that, yeah, maybe we should indict them, maybe we shouldn't, and in the end the decision is made not to indict them. They become others known. Now, the other phrase you used is knowingly, which is a legal term of art, uh, which says that you have to knowingly commit a crime. Uh, You can't accidentally commit a crime and be convicted of that crime. That's what that means. So if I'm driving down a road without a posted speed limit, I can't be ticketed for driving over the speed limit? Depends. If you're going 115 miles an hour, probably you can. (laughs) Okay. Let me use an example I often use with, with the law students that I teach. If I slip um, cocaine into a woman's purse, she doesn't know about it, and she's later caught with that in her purse, she didn't knowingly commit that crime. On the other hand, if I slip cocaine into her purse and say, take this to so-and-so, the element of knowingly gets there. So that's that's the sort of legal example of it. Gotcha. All right. Uh, Sue in Rochester. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I sort of uh, feel the same way that this is, pretty much limited to uh, underlying volunteers and low-level people uh, of the Trump administration who engage unwittingly. Uh, But I don't think it includes anyone in the upper echelons or excludes them. Um, It does not happen to mention anyone, but I think this indictment covers um, uh, is a very limited one. Uh, The other thing is that as I was reading, I thought, you know, this is the modus operandi of Paul Manafort. She used this 
in the United States, the Moldova, the Ukraine, European elections. This is right out of his playbook. The stuff that we're accusing the Russians of is what you say he did over there while a consultant on those races, right? Absolutely. And I, you know, I have to wonder uh, if if he was involved. And I would just, I mean, obviously, um, <clears throat> Mr. Uh, Mueller chose very specifically who he wanted to indict. Not mean that he doesn't have other people he would like to indict as well in something similar to this. All right. Uh, sounds like she's agreeing with some of the stuff that you, you've already said. Uh, Anthony Bruce, come on in here. Well, I, there's nothing in here to connect this with Manafort, and, and I haven't, quite frankly, followed Paul Manafort over the years to know what he's been doing over in Russia. So this indictment doesn't connect to Paul Manafort on its face. Let's put it that way. All right. Does Does this... Does building a case require this indictment? Um, by indicting these people and saying there was this criminal activity, does that help him do something else that we haven't determined yet? No. Is this required, I guess, as part of whatever it is he's doing? Well, this this indictment I think you can view as a part of a continuum. Um, he just felt... Uh, and I'm speaking for myself now the way I would do it. He felt at this point in time he had the facts to file this indictment, um, and he's going to keep on going. And, and let me just digress here for one second. This indictment, these people may never be prosecuted, these Russians, but their life from this point forward is going to be miserable because they can't really leave Russia, especially if they go into a Western European country. They'll be arrested. So. All right. And, and, and the other thing I, I think that's interesting is you just said, he saw the criminality. He had to put it out there. That, in some ways, mirrors what he did with Manafort, um, with Rick Gates. He couldn't have credibility as a prosecutor if he saw something criminal, even though it's unrelated to his his uh, his bigger picture. If he saw something criminal along the way, and he's a prosecutor, he's kind of got to just put it out there. Am I right? Absolutely agree. Does this fit that template? I'm sorry. Does this fit that template? Could this be stuff that he discovered along the way? Well, I don't think he accidentally discovered this. Uh, he's drilling down, and he and he found this stuff, and he decided uh, at this point in time to, to charge this part of the case. Reading through the indictment, is there anything there that tells you about how he found it? Um, clearly, Facebook is a U.S. entity. It looks as if they shared a lot of their information. What else can you divulge, if you'd like to, about the ways that this investigation was conducted. How, how did he figure this stuff out? Well, I got to think they have one, if not several people who are cooperating with them, um, who, who pointed their direction to go. And then, of course, the grand jury can subpoena an awful lot of stuff. They can, dr they can really drill down. So once, if, if, if I come in and I say, look, I'll give you this information, and here's the direction you want to go. That's really all the prosecutor needs at that point, all the prosecutor and the, the FBI. All right. Let's bring in one final caller here. Tony and Clarence, you're up. Hi. Yeah, I, you could read the 50-page indictment, and it reads like the playbook from the Russian KGB. But you forget, you're forgetting that an hour after that 50-page came out, there was a 30-page indictment of a U.S. citizen for cooperating with the Russians that had illegally entered this country. And that person had helped produce the papers to get them into this country. I think his name was Panetta from California. Look at that indictment. That's against a U.S. citizen. What you're forgetting, too, is 
that in the 50-page indictment, he specifically t- tells Trump to his face that you can no longer say that there was no Russian interference in this election. And basically, that election hinged on 71,000 votes in three states. And if any of those votes were tainted by what these Russians did against not only uh, Hillary Clinton, but against Senator Sanders, against uh, even the Republicans, that election is not... If you think this president is a legitimate president, then you better think twice. And if my hero is Bob Mueller. Tony, I see your broader point, but I do have to uh, nitpick just a little bit. The indictment that we're talking about here also says that this Russian interference was designed to help Bernie Sanders. So so if you're saying, hey, uh, it skewed the election because it, it somehow helped Hillary, I, I think that's in point of fact wrong. But the, the other point, let's get Anthony Bruce to comment on. Go ahead. Well, I, I don't know that I... I don't know that I quite understand the question. I mean, there is really no evidence that the Russians succeeded in doing what they set out to do, uh, and there's certainly no evidence in the indictment that they succeeded in, in in doing what they set out to do. Um, I mean, the election is the election. There's, we're not going to we're not going to avoid the election or do anything like that. The question is, what do we do next? Not from a not from a charging standpoint, but what do we do next to stop this? In the midterm election, what do we do this? What do we do to stop this in the next presidential election, and on down the road? We know how it's done. How are we going to stop it? And in that regard, is just getting it out there on the record uh, the old phrase, and it's tried. I know uh, sunshine is disinfectant. No, there has to be action by the FBI. There has to be action by the CIA. There may have to be legislation. Um, this is time for the president to step up to the plate and say, "Now we know this happened." Now I'm going to pull out all the stops and make sure it stops here at this point in time. All right. Anthony Bruce, thanks for joining us today. Good stuff, interesting information. Glad you were able to uh, help us sift through that indictment. Anthony Bruce is a former federal prosecutor in western New York. Let's bring in now Michael Caputo, regular contributor to WBEN, former Trump campaign staffer, and a guy who has worked on elections in Russia and has lived there. So he's got background on a lot of different pieces of this puzzle Michael, uh, I hate to ask it so broadly, but tell me what you think of this indictment. What jumps out at you? Well, I, and first of all, uh, two things. None of it is news, and it's very important. Uh, it's not news because we've, I think the New York Times first started writing about the Internet Research Agency in 2014, I believe. Uh, and those of us in, involved in Russian affairs, you know, we, we've all heard of it now uh, since before the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, this agency, the IRA, it actually honed its message and its tactics and its strategies first in Kiev and uh, after the Russian invasion. And after the, you know, that kind of settled down for them, they decided to point everything they've learned at the United States. If, if, so, them, if them doing it is not new, talk about the significance of them being prosecuted for it, because that at least hasn't happened before, right? What is news is there, uh, the, there are bank accounts involved and American uh, fraud agencies, Internet-based fraud agencies involved. And uh, so there is a path to, perse- uh, to prosecution that, that, uh, that Mueller and his team put together. Not a tough case to make. You just read the New York Times. Now, the reason why it's important, because what they've done with the Facebook and the social media and LinkedIn, by the way, and Instagram posts, was 
uh, in, in a lot of ways uh, untoward, and, and, and meddling in our elections is something we shouldn't allow. We needed to do this some time ago. By indicting these people, we're never going to get them uh, and, and try them. But they can't get on a plane to the West. And so these folks who have been coordinating this stuff, these 13 people, are now fugitives in Interpol and face arrest if they get on, let's say, if they try to take their wives to Paris. So it's a real, it's a real knock on the shins of these people, and, and they're definitely going to feel it. Does it prevent them from operating? No, I think it makes them angrier, and, and they try to weaponize it even more. But from my perception, that's going on. You know, China does it, England does it, United States does it. Russia does it a, l- a little differently than all of us and more effectively. But it's good to be able to expose this arm of their, you know, information warfare and focus on ways to stop them from doing anything of the kind. And obviously, you're someone that's close to the Trump camp. Uh, I'm sure that you would underline the fact that this doesn't in any way point to collusion. It does not. And in fact, it's, it's interesting. Though I'm not as enthusiastic as some people on the Trump side about this because this whole Facebook, social media, Russians, you know, organizing a million dollars worth of ads, not only is it ineffectual, you know, our, my, my PR agency spends a couple million dollars a year on, on social media ads, and it's very difficult to move the needle with that kind of money. No way it moves the needle with the election. But the fact is, this story of the social media and et cetera and the fake accounts has been dogging the Trump administration as well, the Trump campaign as well, even though... They had nothing to do with it. Leftists on the far fringe were accusing them of it. Now Mueller has put this to bed. It's an important layer of the story. But this is not the vindication the Trump campaign and Donald Trump needs to move forward uh, unmolested. National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster is now pointing this and obviously saying we can no longer deny interference. Politically, does that change anything for Donald Trump? No, not at all. I don't think... You know, I think the president has been on a position that that uh, and, and has been resisting uh, uh, the the narrative that the Russians were uh, were were uh, were impacting the elections because of the fact that uh, he worries, of course, that people would think that he and his campaign were colluding. Now that this is out there, I think now that the president has at least vindicated him and his team for this part of the investigation, there's more to come. I think he should celebrate the fact that this has been. Uh, you know they're going to prosecute this. They're going to tie these people up, and that uh, the Trump t- campaign had nothing to do with it. He should celebrate it. I don't know that he will, but it's very clear to me and anybody who's watching that the Russians were uh, trying to mail in our elections. They do it all the time, and it's always important to jump on this stuff. Unfortunately, for the last eight years, they've been doing information warfare against the United States without anything. Uh, 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 to stop them under the Obama administration. Perhaps a leading question here, Michael, but what does this indictment say to you about the overall timeline of the Mueller investigation? Is he winding down? Well, I, I don't know. It depends on how much of this kind of stuff you think is out there. I think this these indictments of the Russians will probably be the only thing that he does that appears to be off-topic. I think um, uh, we're probably seeing months, months more of this and probably months more of Senate and House investigations. The people who have, uh, you know, have uh, caused these investigations and who are driving these investigations are gleeful about their work every day, and they don't want it to stop. Uh, the problem is uh, they're running out of evidence, they're running out of avenues, and they're running out of witnesses to develop the narrative uh, that Donald Trump and his campaign colluded with Russia. Earlier in the program, and I'm pretty sure you, you, uh, you were busy, you probably didn't hear the uh, segment right before this, 
we had a caller who called in and said, uh, to some degree, what you did, that this has happened before, this is nothing new. And then she went a step further and said, in fact, this is kind of a, a playbook. These tactics are used by everybody, including Paul Manafort overseas in Russia to influence elections there. I wanted to get your comment because I know you're a, a, a protege of sorts. You've worked with Manafort before. What do you think about that idea? Well, I've worked with Manafort uh, since I was fresh out of college. And, uh, you know, I, I've known him for 30 years. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is... Uh, these, this has been going on for a long, long time. And, uh, uh, the, the Russians have developed a specialty in social media and such. We never really have gone much into that, I think, from the American side. But it's, it's highly ineffective. And, you know, it, it gets a lot of headlines and it causes a lot of angst uh, in, your, you know, in your enemy's camp, which is, you know, a success of its own. They've caused a lot of division in America. But, you know, the idea that uh, pe- people are buying Facebook ads and, and Twitter ads and et cetera, and putting together networks of, of users to try to push an agenda. You know, we do that in our own election. So uh, this is not new technology. Uh, what's, what we're looking at here is an indictment that tells the Russians that they got to stop doing this. I don't think there's a lot of teeth in it. I still think it's important. And, of course, it's important that, that uh, the Trump campaign, no one associated with Trump, had any fingerprints at all on this. Former federal prosecutor Anthony Bruce was with us in the previous segment. He said... This is a good first step, but maybe Congress needs to do more. Maybe the FBI needs to do more. Maybe the CIA needs to do more. Now that we have it out in the open with this indictment in hand saying this is what was done, we can then take steps to see that it doesn't necessarily happen in the upcoming midterms. What do you say to that? No no doubt. But I got to tell you, we have to look at it from another perspective as well. Americans need to be uh, better consumers of online media, smarter consumers of online media, and other advanced, you know, first world nations teach their children all the way until their teens how to identify, you know, worthless information on the internet and things that are being put there to try to manipulate them. Our society here in America is particularly vulnerable to this because we're not educated on how to identify it and avoid it. Uh, we could also do some ourselves some good teaching our kids and our teenagers a bit more about. Uh, online media consumption. All right, and and this just came in on our text line. Um, maybe it's a little off base, but I want to get your reaction to it. In in a media cycle where things swing from one to the other, do you think in any way that this was timed, or that the release of this had anything to do with diversion from the Florida shootings? Oh no, I don't think so. It's easy to think that way, you know. But the one indication. Uh, that's important to put here is that the, the, the Mueller investigation always puts their stuff out on Friday. So they're, if they were going to try to do something to, to let's say, distract from the mistakes they made that led to uh, the shooting uh, in Florida, uh, they certainly, you know, it would have to have the ear, uh, other earmarks than, than that. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, we have to look at the FBI differently. Uh, the, the FBI is not the only agency involved in the Mueller investigation, the rank-and-file mistakes that were made that should be routine to report a shooter, that's very different from the Mueller investigation into Russian collusion. Um, and uh, that the whole uh, failure of systems of the FBI needs to be looked at. Do I think that, uh, that uh, Rosenstein put out the release at time to, uh, to cover up uh, mistakes in Florida? No. 
I think it was a fairly standard indictment, timing and everything. All right, Michael, thanks so much for your insight. I know we're going to get to hear more of it tomorrow. Uh, 9 to noon, you're in for Sandy Beach on President's Day. Looking forward to hearing you then. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.